Hello everyone and welcome to the Old Ways for the New Age podcast, where we are embracing ancient ways of being and opening our hearts to the magic of everyday life. I am your host Christy, founder of Bohemian Farmhouse and Midnight Kid. In this show we will discuss topics like living slowly with ritual and with reverence for the earth and our bodies, herbal wisdom and plant spirit stories. Join us as we romance the ordinary, re-enchant our own lives with plant magic and get ourselves back to the garden. Hi everyone and welcome to the Old Ways for the New Age podcast. Oh my goodness, Mercury Retrograde is over. Thank goodness for that. And I say that and you know what? I actually found this Mercury Retrograde not so difficult. It was definitely a little bit easier because I was sort of on holidays. Um, The kids were on school holidays and I generally don't work a lot in the actual store during that time and only work on the weekends uh, because I'm watching my children because I have the children with me and I like to enjoy my time with them. So I feel like I was hiding out from Mercury Retrograde a little bit and I didn't get the usual financial stuff that I often get with a Mercury retrograde. And maybe that's because we had the six planets in total in retrograde. I don't know. But usually I get these unexpected bills and (laughs) it's one of the reasons I dislike Mercury retrograde so much. And usually a lot of technological mishaps. And I had a little bit of those, but this Mercury retrograde was definitely more about me not being able to get my words out, not being able to express myself properly. And doing a podcast and having your voice be the main thing. (laughs) It definitely was a trial with that aspect of things, but it's over. And Mercury has definitely started to move forward again. I actually started to move forward on Sunday and though sluggish and still in the shadow phase for another two weeks, this week being the intense shadow and next week being more mild, it's kind of like a fade out basically. So you'll notice things start to move forward, however slowly, and you'll just feel this beautiful kind of releasing and just an energetic freeing up. So I'm definitely noticing it with my words and being able to express myself a little bit better. And not falling back on saying beautiful all the time, (laughs) which I definitely do. So yeah, I'm so, so much happier and I feel lighter and it might be a unique experience for me because I do have Gemini in my charts so much. The first three, when you actually put your details into, oh, and by the way, actually, so For those of you who are looking into doing more with astrology and you would like your chart, there is a way to do it so that you get your chart for free. I'll link the website in the show notes so that you can just go in and you just put in your date of birth and your time. It's very important to have your time to get the most accurate chart, time of birth and your place of birth. And it will give you a list of all the planets and what sign they're in and yes so right up the top you have sun moon and mercury they're the three first ones and mine are all gemini so it looks like i have a lot of gemini and i do and you know what i also have a lot of air 
just air signs in my chart and not a lot of water. A little bit of fire, a little bit of earth, but definitely a lot of air. And I feel as though when Mercury goes retrograde, I really do notice it because of that. And I feel like when I meet someone new during a Mercury retrograde, they think that I am really kind of vague and flustered and like I can't make a thought in my brain. Like I'm just this airy fairy kind of person. And you know what? Sometimes I am, but it's definitely more pronounced during a Mercury retrograde. And I can't help it. It's just what happens. My brain just suddenly feels like it's full of air and I cannot form a coherent thought at all. So I am definitely all for Mercury going forward again. We do still have five other planets in retrograde and they're all loosening up, I think, towards the end of this month. Well, most of them are. And I've noticed that I'm not sure which one it is. I'm thinking it's Uranus and maybe Pluto, maybe the two together. But yes, definitely a time of very intense dreams and full of meaning. And that's one of my favorite things actually is to decipher dreams. I really, really like looking at my dreams and the symbology. And I actually prefer not to look at a dream dictionary because I think that though there are archetypes and universal symbols, most of what we dream about is very personal to us. And deciphering a dream is more about looking at what those symbols mean to us rather than what they mean on a universal level. It always is a good place to start, but more so looking at what it means to the individual and that's the more important thing. I actually had this beautiful dream not too long ago where I was sitting at a cafe with my parents and across the road there was this big open field and mountains in the distance and there was a koala on the other side of the road and I sort of had this telepathic connection with the koala in my dream and I knew that he wanted me to follow him so I did I got up and I followed this koala across the field and to a tree and when I looked up at the tree I noticed that there was a white owl in the tree and what I didn't notice at first was that the whole tree was actually full of white owls and it wasn't there wasn't a single leaf on all the branches it was all just full of white owls and so I was looking up at this tree and it was the feeling that I was filled with when I was looking up and it just felt, it felt momentous. It felt like, okay, something huge is coming. Something transformative is happening. And it was that feeling more so than looking up the symbol of what a white owl means that stayed with me. And that was, that was the thing that helped me actually look at what the symbology of the dream meant more so than Googling what a white owl would mean in a dream or looking it up in a book. So just something to consider because I know that a lot of people will be having lots of dreams. And if you want to have more dreams and maybe even practice a bit of lucid dreaming where you are aware that you are dreaming, so you're in the dream and you're aware that you're dreaming and you're actually you actually have some sort of control in the dream. I've done that before. That's really fun too. I chose to fly in that dream because I never fly in my dreams and that's really fun. Uh, you can work with certain herbs that will help with dreaming. So mugwort is a really good one. And just a caveat, mugwort has many, 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 many different species. And the one that you want to work with specifically for dreaming is Artemisia vulgaris. 
none other. That's the one you want to work with, okay? And I actually prefer to, rather than drink it as a tea, you can definitely do that. I like to actually take the tips and you take the tips and you burn them and you sit there and you let the smoke kind of envelope you and then you go to sleep and that's my favorite way for using mugwort for dreaming and just on another note with dreaming I actually had a little chat with Hannah and we both figured out that the dreams that we're currently having at the moment seem to be like we are working through really old issues that have been buried and it's kind of like our subconscious is doing the work for us to help us heal from past wounds and traumas and so let these dreams come embrace them if they can help in any way to help us to heal from things that have happened in our past in our subconscious which will always filter through to the conscious world then that is just such a blessing but we're not talking about mugwort today. We are talking about frankincense. And the reason why I brought up dreams is actually because frankincense came to me in a dream. And this was my first sort of step towards working with her. But before we talk about my dream, let's talk about frankincense or the Boswellia tree. Frankincense has a really, really long history. I mean, it's been used for thousands and thousands of years. It was prized by the ancient Egyptians. The ancient Egyptian queen Hatchput, I'm, forgive me if that's not the right pronunciation. I actually struggle with pronunciation of ancient Egyptian words like that, names. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but you know, I mean, I feel like a lot of people would struggle. They are difficult. So Hatchput, um, it actually means foremost of noble ladies, which I really like. And it reminds me of my own name, actually. My my name, Christy, and my middle name, Patricia, kind of actually mean the same thing when you look them up. So Christy is derivative of Christ, which actually means anointed one, which I find really interesting. And there's also, I think I read somewhere that it actually also means like chief, like person who is in you know power or authority. And Patricia actually means like patrician, noble, noble one. So it kind of means the same thing. So I've got like a double, double name meaning that mean kind of the same thing and very similar to what Hatchput means. So that's kind of cool. So this most noble of ancient queens, actually oversaw the preparations and funding for a mission to the land of Punt and she set out some ships in her name to basically go and get some trade goods and notably frankincense and myrrh they were the main ones that she was after so frankincense was actually not in ancient Egypt at this time so or myrrh so when they returned they brought with them 31 live myrrh trees the roots of which were carefully kept in basket and this was the first recorded attempt to transplant foreign trees which i think is amazing so it's reported that she actually had these trees planted in the courts of her um her temple complex so her mortuary temple complex so this is like the, her, her shrine for when she was deceased and they also returned with frankincense and she would use charred frankincense and grind it and turn it into 
a like an eyeliner and that's the first recorded use of frankincense resin and i think that is just incredible now speaking of names frankincense this is my experience with frankincense and isn't it funny how it's all wrapped up and interconnected and interwoven like this so in my dream this was actually after a cacao ceremony that we had in the old shop um, about two years ago and in the dream frankincense came to me and she's basically just talking to me i don't think i even had like a visual representation of her i think it was just a voice and that's all i really remember and she said to me my name is not frankincense and she had this real kind of fiery almost regal energy about her and it wasn't haughty but it was definitely I have been insulted by being called frankincense and she rattled off this name which to me kind of was like abba, abba, abba. <laughs> I couldn't quite remember it and I didn't know the word so therefore it made zero sense to me and when I woke up in the morning the the dream was just crystal clear aside from that one word and I rang my sister and I said this has been my dream and I wish I could remember what she said because I really want to start using that word and honoring the fact that she has come to me in a dream and asked me to use this word instead of frankincense her true name and my sister said oh hang on actually I know that she has another name let me just look it up and she looked it up and she said Ollie Barnum and instantly I knew that was the word that she had said that I couldn't quite remember and so now whenever I can I actually use the word Ollie Barnum and a lot of the ingredient labels that we have on our bottles in the shop I actually use Ollie Barnum and frankincense itself the word actually just means good incense like good quality incense it was just a trading term it's not actually the name of frankincense and so yeah I can understand why she would not want to be called a trading term that simply meant good incense because she is so much more than that Olibanum from what I can gather I think Olibanum actually translates to meaning something to do with white and maybe that's a, a term to do with the fact that that the resin when dried gets this white coating on it I don't know I have to look more into that um, if I was to feel into it and think energetically I would think that the term white meant more to do with its spiritual applications and since it has been used and revered for spiritual practices for thousands of years that makes a lot of sense to me so I think more of that kind of white light and purity and working with that real pure beautiful energy and I think that's the term that I associate more so with Olibanum some people might actually find that they dislike the fragrance of Olibanum and usually that's because they associate it in their memory with church because Olibanum was used and burnt as an incense in Christian churches for well since the beginning basically and 
so I feel like a lot of people have that negative um, association with olibanum and because it brings up those memories and they dislike it they therefore associate and dislike olibanum if you don't have those associations i feel as though if you don't have those associations then actually smelling olibanum for the first time you will either have one or two one of two reactions you will either love it or you will either hate it and if it is something that you don't like then it means that you're not meant to work with it not yet anyway maybe in the future that will change but it means that it's not for you and if you love it and when you love it you love it when you smell olibanum for the first time and it gives you that it's like you it's like something you've never smelt before and it is definitely a new experience and something happens in your body something shifts and it's almost like an initiation really and if you love it you will just continue to love it and every time you smell it it will just bring you back to that first initial moment of that feeling of initiation and like a welcoming home almost it's really a unique experience and i have not actually had that experience with any other scent or or plant before i like to use frankincense on my crown chakra and my throat chakra and all i do is use well i use the anointing frankincense oil that we have in the shop and you know i do still use frankincense as a term because it is a term that people readily recognize and I feel as though it's it's part of my duty and part of my life's work to educate and help people to understand that frankincense is olibanum and that will come over time so I've so I've used frankincense for the labeling and olibanum in my ingredients and of course this episode will go a long way to helping get the word out there for her that she would prefer to be called olibanum so you can dilute olibanum essential oil into some oil and put it in a roller and just roll that onto your throat chakra or your crown chakra i also find it interesting that color that represents the crown chakra is white and that is my preferred place for applying olibanum is that a coincidence i think not everything is interconnected and interwoven i also like to use frankincense as the pure resin burnt over a charcoal disc and let the smoke infuse into the room and i especially like getting the smoke into my hair so hair so i'll probably talk about hair on another episode and this will make a lot more sense because i'm running out of time here so by letting the smoke through your hair it's an energetic way of clearing anything that might be stuck in your hair because hair does collect energy whether it's negative or positive and it is almost like a memory box for everything that has come before which is why it is such a good feeling sometimes to chop your hair off because you're releasing old times and the past and it's kind of like a letting go and releasing what I actually do is I get the charcoal tablet 
and I put a very thin layer of sand over the top and then I place the olibanum resin on top so that it kind of melts a bit slower. If you put it directly onto the charcoal tablet, the charcoal disc, it will burn too quickly and the scent isn't as nice basically. So you need to gently heat it instead. And it's used in churches because of its links to the divine. It is a very spiritual herb, very spiritual plant. And even though it does have applications for the body, specifically it's very good for things like inflammation, it definitely works more with the mind-spirit than it does with the body. So it's especially good for releasing emotional issues um, that may cause physical symptoms like muscle soreness. And it's a really beautiful way to cleanse your auric field, your energy field, and, and sort of purify and cleanse. Some people believe that it can put you in a state where any sort of issues or traumas that you have in your subconscious will rise to the surface and you'll be able to deal with those and move on from those in that way. It sort of helps to support you during that process. I find personally that it's very relaxing and soothing, but also slightly energizing at the same time, not energizing in the way of you want to go out and go for a run or anything, but just energizing in a way of it's almost like it gives you hope and faith that everything's just going to turn out all right. And that is very energizing. Definitely for me, the main theme is to use it to clear out stagnant energy. And whether that's in your subconscious issues that need to come out or whether that's just something in your energy field, it's really beautiful for, for clearing that. And I actually use white light, just visualizing white light a lot to cleanse my energy field and maybe that's another association with olibanum meaning white as well and actually now is a fantastic time to use olibanum to move that stagnant energy on because it is spring and spring is classically a very powerful time to move stagnant energy on so if you're cleansing for spring cleaning which is another really easy way of just cleansing the energy as well. After you've cleaned the house physically, you could then actually set up a sort of incense burner that you can carry. So I have a cast iron dish that has a handle. We call them our mini cauldrons. And you put the charcoal disc in that. And then if you put the resin on top and let it smoke, you could walk around the house and let that waft through the house just to clear any more energy out of the house. I think that would be a really gorgeous ritual to do for spring and to connect a little bit more with olibanum. And actually, if you are sourcing the resin, the white coating that goes over the golden dried beads is an indication that it's from a particularly pure source. So again, maybe that's also what it means too. I like when names have multiple layers in their meanings and how the two kind of go together. So as always, when you are sourcing, make sure you get yours from a reputable ethical source who sustainably collects the resin. It's very, very important. 
and we should apply that to everything when we're sourcing really and I can't wait for you all to start using Olibanum and also start referring to her as Olibanum. If you really enjoy using it, make sure you drop us a DM or an email and let us know. I really love hearing plant spirit stories and sharing them with others. And I can just imagine sitting in a camp, sitting at a campfire and everyone sharing their experiences with a certain herb through dreams and meditations and journeys. So I thought we would try something different for the podcast and I put the call out on our social media for questions and we received a few so I've chosen one to answer and hopefully this will become a regular feature at the end of our separate solo discussions on certain herbs, flowers, resins and trees and their plant spirit stories and I really enjoyed answering this question so so feel free to send any questions on social media or email, um, drop us a DM, let us know if you have anything you would like answered. So this question is, where can I find time for self-care when I have three children under five? And yes, wow, it is hard to carve out time for yourself when you are a new parent, for sure. It is not easy. So I actually found for me personally that the main issue was work that needed to be done was internal. And by that I mean asking for help. And it sounds so simple and so easy, but it is not. When you're a new mum in particular, and I'm speaking from my own personal experience, you need to do everything and with effortless ease make it look wonderful. And it's meant to be this time of absolute joy. You're expected to be sort of superwoman and capable and handle everything on your own and never ask for help and I think that and I feel as though the internal work is actually learning to quiet that part of yourself and realize that when you ask for help you're not failing it's not an indication that you have failed you're asking for help because help is part of raising children help is part of the village that we once would have had the community to actually raise the child it was never such a solitary endeavor being just the parents or even just the parents and the grandparents so the internal work that needs to happen before you carve out time for self-care is to remind yourself i can ask for help and repeat that to yourself as an affirmation almost daily so that you can rewire your brain so that you have an internal desire and wish to actually set that time aside for yourself and it doesn't need to be a lot of time either sometimes we just need to feel as new parents that we have the opportunity the freedom to be able to ask and sometimes that's all we need so yes five minutes just to walk outside look at the stars feel the wind on your face anything to give yourself a little bit of time 
and to feel as though that time is yours and you deserve it and it doesn't mean that you are failing it doesn't mean that you are less than i think that's the most important thing a lot of parents with young children i find use the shower a lot for me time myself included that was something i definitely did so since you're in there anyway and you've got a locked door why not make it just that little bit more special so maybe you could drop a few drops of essential oil in the corners so that you get a bit of an aromatherapeutical experience and maybe afterwards as you're drying yourself you could say some affirmations you could even put an affirmation up on the mirror about loving your body and loving yourself and you could even imagine that the shower water is cleansing your energy field as well so just imagining the water taking all the murk and muck out of your energetic field and washing it down the drain thank you so much for this question and you know thank you for all the questions this was really fun and i hope to make it a regular feature on the podcast that's all for today thank you so much for listening bye Thank you so much for being here and for listening. I know your time is sacred and special and I really appreciate you spending yours with me. Thank you and until next time, bye.